You're listening to In Network, Nordic's podcast series where we explore healthcare and technology with experts from around the globe. Hello, and welcome to the In Network podcast feature, Making Rounds. I'm Nordic's head of thought leadership, Dr. Jerome Pagani. I recently sat down with cloud solution experts from both Nordic and Amazon Web Services. From Nordic, I was joined by digital health cloud practice lead, Saran Sonasami, and principal architect, Brigitte Akula. From AWS, I was joined by nonprofit healthcare leader, Mike Hedgie, and global Epic leader, Matt Dinger. In today's podcast, we talk all about the cloud and cloud infrastructure in healthcare, including the benefits of moving the EHR to the cloud, the burning platform that is encouraging healthcare's shift to the cloud, and specific steps a healthcare organization can take for successful cloud transformation. Time to make rounds. I'm so excited for today's podcast. Today, we have two guests joining us from AWS, Mike Hedgie. Hey, Jerome. Thanks for having us. And Matt Dinger. Happy to be here. And two of our uh, digital health experts, Saran. Happy to be here, Jerome. And Brigitte. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to dive in today and talk about the cloud and cloud infrastructure. For healthcare, one of the most important investments in cloud infrastructure is around the EHR. So what do we mean by moving the EHR to the cloud? And, and specifically, uh, what are the benefits for uh, a, a health organization? Yeah, I think the first thing we need to do is is really talk about why, right? Uh, if we take a look at the HR, um, we're seeing a, a continual delivery of new features that are are actually creating a challenge for some of the IT leadership in, in creating infrastructure. But if you if you actually look back on it, these new features are really designed to help improve the physician and the nurse workflows. And a lot of times what we're doing is, is as we get the computer to do more work, the physician, the clinician does not have to do that work. And so we're, we're seeing an increase in the compute to be able to satisfy that. Think of it as, as, as I've been at this for four decades, and we've seen this cycle impre- increase in frequency uh, to the point that uh, health systems, EHR, is going to grow 20% year over year. That means it's going to double every three to four years. And the, uh, the, the gosh, the, the way that organizations try to, to combat that uh, on premises is they try to predict what they're going to need in hardware two, three, four, five years from, from now. And Epic, for example, one of the HR vendors, does a really good job of giving health organizations some idea of size of what it might be like in two years. And so what organizations are doing is they say, okay, on-premises, I need to buy servers, I need to buy storage, it, and I want to make sure that I can amortize the cost of that over over a five-year plan, which is, which is great from a financial perspective. But the thing of it is, after years two, you're starting to run on really old hardware. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of trying to project, is, is, it works great if, you know, you're getting res- those releases every 18 to 24 months, but they're getting it every every quarter. And there's a better way of dealing with this. 
there's uh, to be able to to use a uh, an infrastructure that allows you to deliver just what's needed now and as you grow add to it and to be able to completely refresh the hardware uh, is it, it, when the new technology is available, not have to lean on that uh, um, the, the amortization of the costs so you don't take on that technical debt and then improve availability through a much more reliable infrastructure. Really what you're doing is you're transforming an EHR like Epic from an electronic health record system into, a la- into an elastic health re- record system, one that leverages elastic compute, elastic storage, and elastic networking. And that really is what that Epic on AWS uh, solution is geared to do. I totally agree with you, Mike. I mean, the advancements across the stack, that is basically what is making us, right, the look into cloud from a hosting of EHR standpoint. And, and, and Jerome, uh, you know, we had spoken about advancements earlier, and this means an enterprise level advancements, not necessarily on a particular compute section, but having a need to advance all of it from a tax standpoint. And that is a good value addition for our, for our customers in considering hosting EHR, Epic like EHRs on cloud. So other industries have been on the cloud journey for quite some time and, and are a little more advanced uh, than we are in healthcare. Brigitte, uh, what advancements are coming online now and, and how is that resulting in uh, the rapid pace that Mike just uh, mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, especially in a EH, EHR on cloud um, workload, one of the key components of your EHR system like Epic is your operational database. It, 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 it requires a very high performance. There's an incredible amount of IOPS that are needed, uh, read-write operations, because it is typically serving up thousands upon thousands of concurrent uh, connections um, per second. So we need to have compute capabilities in your cloud vendor um, that can meet these uh, these demands. One of the recent uh, instances of compute instances that have been released, it's able to support one of the higher level workloads that uh, EHR customers, Epic customers have. Um, so 42 million GRFs, it's a, it's a specific uh, specification on the high level of read-write operations that the database performs uh, to be able to keep up with this demand. Um, so now, you know, this is a very exciting time because we have the, the raw compute uh, power that's able to facilitate this very, very high workload. Um, and uh, keep up, you know, keep up with that uh, increasing demand. Um, and then there's also third-party uh, companion apps that we can talk about. Yeah, certainly. And you know, as far as those apps are concerned, making sure that low latency um, is really what you're seeing across the board, regardless of where the the health system is being hosted, is critical for these these organizations to be successful. I'll tell you, I did not really think that a human could understand what a microsecond is until you are standing in front of a physician doing their workflow, waiting for a smartphone to load. Let me tell you, you feel 
every microsecond. And so, you know, a lot of the way that this is accomplished is through things like Direct Connect, which creates a connection across the shortest path between you and your resources running in the virtual private cloud, um, which results in the lowest latency, the most consistent bandwidth. It's really these dedicated connections that are the best option for mission-critical workloads like healthcare. I don't know anything that's as mission-critical as that. The other thing to add up uh, is, is basically how do we automate those establishments, right? Advancements always happens over the period, but how do we set that up? Uh, to Mike and Bridget's standpoint, we have something called a landing zone accelerators. How do we set established cloud for our customers first? And what we have done or what is available over a period, it is this particular uh, arrangement is fully automated. That means a customer have to go towards a single click establishment of the entire cloud environment for them to host EHR. And this puts up in a, in a, in a good significant advantage for customers to look at cloud and looking at cloud for a, for a rapid acceleration for our EHR workloads to AWS. And when we talk about EHR workloads, I think what we really have to realize is that the EHR isn't the complete health record. When you think about it, if you're really trying to deliver the complete health record to it, it's the EHR, it's the, the, the PAC system, those imaging systems that's used for radiology. There, there's the document management systems that are used to track. There's coding systems, blood bank, interface engines that, uh, that loop it all together. And so the, when, we, when we look at operating an EHR and providing it the performance and the reliability, having them run on the same type of cloud platform that allows you to if you need to fail over for disaster recovery purposes, you're failing over the comprehensive health record, not just the EHR. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, this level of flexibility and agility is really important and and really important and really effective in this environment. Um, so especially as your workload spikes um, or you have, for example, on the weekends, there's just not as much demand in some of these systems. Um, you don't need to have your entire infrastructure running at all time. Uh, more importantly, when there is an event, when there is a disaster event um, that all of a sudden has a spike in um, in patients in the hospital, now you're, this is really the time where your systems are being stressed, right? You have an incredible amount of volume. Uh, there's an incredible amount of activity happening in your EHR, your PAC systems, and all of these things. And so the benefit with this uh, modern architecture and automation is that we have the capability, um, essentially on a one-click basis, to all of a sudden double, triple, quadruple your infrastructure. All of a sudden, if you just need to increase capacity, um, it's very much possible. Um, and we're talking about like... 30, 45 seconds, all of a sudden you have doubled your capacity uh, to be able to serve those needs, um, which is really important. That that agility is just amazing. So Matt, the EHR isn't the entirety of the health record. And so I'm reminded as our definition of health is becoming more holistic, we're seeing more types of data uh, and more variety of data and a greater volume of data being incorporated into the health record. So things like patient-generated data, stuff from Internet of Medical Things, continuous monitoring data. How 
does cloud infrastructure support the integration of those data types and the variety of data in a way that on-prem storage can't? Sure. It's it's the idea and concept of hosting this as a healthcare ecosystem. You know, you're talking about information from the patient in terms of wearables, but you're also talking about information that the health system is using maybe third-party applications or other information that they want to incorporate, whether that is social determinants of health, whether that is weather weather patterns that can help predict no-shows or, you know, any number of things that that come in and some of that is incorporated incorporated in the the elastic health record some of it is not um, and so putting that together in a singular ecosystem allows analytics to come together in kind of one place to be evaluated allows you to leverage innovations in uh, the cloud like advanced medical imaging genomics um, AI ml, all of that that is coming with this, you know, cloud center that that you have built to be able to really take action on that, to empower the clinicians and the other end users to really create the best patient experience possible. And I can uh, I can expand on that. So especially you know the 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 cloud platform enables a lot of this kind of innovation. Uh, so we have some real world use cases where Saran and I worked with some researchers that were very, very much interested in getting Fitbit data. Um, but the the interesting thing here was they wanted the raw telemetrics that are coming from the device, uh, the Fitbit itself, I think it has like 20 some things it picks up, your, um, your temperature, your heart rate and things like that, your movement. Um, the, the out of the box experience is it gives you aggregated information. So it'll say something like, over the last minute, the average heart rate was X, or over the last minute, the movement level was Y. Um, but researchers, as we know, they always want as much of raw data as possible so, so they can sit there and do their calculations. Um, and this is one of the things that cloud enables, um, because when you start, you can certainly do this in an on-premise environment, uh, but as soon as you want to scale from let's say five patients to 100 to 1,000 patients that are wearing this device and generating this information, you will very quickly start running out of, for example, physical capacity for storage. Um, that's an incredible amount of storage that's coming in. Um, for example, the one solution that we did, it was collecting data at 110 hertz, which means 110 readings per second of these dozen or so metrics coming from the Fitbit. So when you compound that uh, per second, per a thousand patients uh, for at least a month uh, worth of data, that's an incredible storage amount that maybe you may have the data space in your data center today, uh, but in six months from now, you will very quickly run out. Um, and so the elasticity of cloud is what really enables this, that um, you can just keep pumping in more data, do your calculations, and then you can tear the environment down. And if if I could just put a personal take on this, I am a patient with type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was five years old, and it used to be that I had a sheet of paper and I would do a finger stick three or four times a day, 
and I would write that down. Well, let's be honest. My mom would write that down. And we would go into the physician's office every six months, hand him the paper. He would, in a few minutes, try to analyze that as closely as he could and as carefully as he could and provide care and advice and guidance to, to me to do that. And and that's certainly not a knock on the physician. They did the absolute best job that they could. Incredible care given for the technology that was available to them at time at the time, which was literally a sheet of paper. Um, now I have a continuous glucose monitor. It goes directly to my cell phone. It integrates with my insulin pump and it provides a closed loop. Most importantly, that information goes directly to my physician's office. They can take a proactive approach, send me a message through the patient portal, say, hey, you know, this indicates you're running high between 10 and 11 p.m. in the evening. What do we need to do to improve that? Is that, you know, you are not giving enough insulin at dinner? Is it something that's wrong with your background basal rate. In addition, my husband can take a look at the data on his own phone, send me a message and saying, hey, you know, what the hell are you doing? What, uh, you, you know, you uh, you need to take care of this. And uh, I, I kid, but but he can configure his own alerts. I contrast that to the experience that I had as a child where my my mother quit her job essentially to sit by the phone because she was terrified that something would happen to me while I was in kindergarten um, waiting for, for something to happen. So all of this holistically, whether it is the patient experience, their family's lives and time, or the care that a clinician can provide, all of that is made better by technology and technology that the cloud can provide. So that's fantastic. What I'm hearing are some um, real-world clinical and research applications for the speed, power, and extensibility of cloud infrastructure. Saran, are there other sort of real-world use cases that apply maybe on the back end or otherwise today? Absolutely, Jerome. I think uh, before even I come to that use cases related to EHR, I wanted to add another point, which is paper use. I mean, what Bridget and uh, Matt was talking about is a scalability. But on the other side, you know, it is allowing them, allowing our customers to pay for what they use. When they really scale it up, they pay it, and then they tear it off, they don't pay it. So that's that's a key concept from a cloud co uh, standpoint. In terms of uh, the EHR-related use cases, there are four major solutions that is there in the market. Uh, and this is completely evolving. You've seen the advancements uh, in the recently. Uh, the first one to talk about is the production workload. A customer can migrate their production EHR workload to AWS. That's a, that's a first evolved solution. And then the natural one is the disaster recovery, right? We have to think about disaster recovery. In an on-premises, you are thinking about talking about a data center, a secondary data center, and equal and parallel infrastructures. And in cloud, it, it works differently from a DR. There is built-in DRs that we'll talk about shortly. The third option is thinking about hosting the training environments. You know, we know there are a lot of environments that um, that isn't required for ESR applications to run. We can host about training environments on the cloud. The fourth critical use case is also about cloud read-only. There is uh, advantages uh, in, in positioning read-only environment in cloud, which uh, I would request Mike to just talk about and to call up some uh, advancements. Uh, sure, thanks, Ran. Uh, you know, health systems face a growing threat 
from ransomware uh, that is really designed to make systems inaccessible, uh, disrupt care delivery, and potentially impact patient outcomes. Uh, so when health systems discover ransomware, uh, what they'll what they'll do is they'll take their clinical systems offline. They have a, a dual purpose. Uh, not only do they need to care for their their population's health, but they also need to protect the patient record from unauthorized access. Now, uh, CMS has emergency preparedness requirements that health systems must follow so that they can continue to deliver care. When ransomware hits, health systems takes their, their EHRs offline. And the thought is that they, perhaps they can rely on, on read-only systems, alternate production systems, disaster recovery systems. Uh, but they're almost always on the same network as the ransomware. So you end up taking those offline. And so in order to meet those CMS emergency preparedness requirements, what they're having to do is do a lot of work on the phone, faxes, to be able to establish a paper record that sometimes can take two or three days to collect and really only contains about 10% of that patient record. And so the thought is, is what if you actually had a replica of your production EHR in an air-gapped location, such as AWS in a cloud, where you can mirror updates in real time, but it is on a separate plane, air-gapped from where that ransomware hits, so that if ransomware does hit that healthcare system. They sever that connection that was mirroring the updates, and now they point uninfected devices, and this includes not only PCs from a browser, but also iPads and smartphones and Epic's World, that's Canto and, and Haiku, to this read-only system, and they can deliver that in minutes as opposed to the two or three days. And so that we call this Cloud Read-Only, Epic Cloud Read-Only on AWS, and the idea is that it allows your staff to continue to deliver patient care, informed patient care, because they do have access to the health record. It, uh, it uh, uh, allows the health system to actually create an immutable copy or backup of, of that health system. They can satisfy the CMS requirements in minutes versus days. And this all reduces clinical and business risk, which can have a positive impact on perhaps your cyber insurance premiums. Now, the greatest thing I like about it is this is something that can be delivered quickly, generally in about 8 to 12 weeks. This isn't a migration of an existing environment. You keep what you're running the same way that you always have. This is a new environment delivering new value that can, has the, the benefit of, of keeping your clinical piece resilient, but also as the opportunity to get your IT experts trained up on operating your EHR on our cloud. That's fantastic. And so other angles of the resiliency, um, just talking more from the the, the back end of the infrastructure that we're able to do. Um, these, these, the cloud environments, we've talked a lot about elasticity. Um, the, it also just comes with its own 
um, baked in level of resiliency for all of these services. Um, for example, a server that we're able to spin up in the cloud environment, uh, default out of the box, it comes with a 99.99% SLA, four nines, which equates to about a, a threshold of about 54 minutes of potential downtime in a given year. Uh, which is pretty incredible. And this is just the default experience without any uh, further customizations. Um, but typically, uh, especially a Epic approved architecture uh, does recommend, you know, further load balance, basically adding additional levels of uh, redundancies and things like that. Um, again, all things that are fairly easy to do um, on cloud platforms like AWS. Uh, and so we're able to very, very easily go from four nines to even five or six nines. Uh, so to kind of th keep things in perspective, five nines, for example, that's about five minutes of downtime in a, in a year period, uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, and it takes very little effort to actually set that up. Matt, we heard Saran talk a, a couple of minutes ago about sort of the pay for what you use, but that's not really the whole story. And, and I think we hear quite often that the a cloud journey can be quite expensive. Is that true? So cost is always a concern for healthcare organizations. We hear that more now than ever. Um, you know, as as margins are razor thin as folks are coming out of the pandemic and dealing with all of the aftermath of that. And the reality is it shouldn't be. You know, Mike started off talking about this provisioning and these hardware refresh cycles that we see organizations on where you are way over provisioned for a couple of years in that refresh cycle. And this really allows you to scale that down to be able to use only what you need. The and Certainly, there's also a proactive piece to this. Our technologies, our services team looks at the instance types and makes improvements that make that more efficient all the time. This is why we see our customers reporting actually significant savings than they would have had on-prem, um, really up to 40 and 50% in some of these circumstances where folks have talked to us. The other piece of this is all of the setup that can go into overall cloud strategy, ensuring that you are leveraging everything available to you when you move to the AWS cloud. So these are things like guardrails, resource tagging, active monitoring, alerts, budgets. So you have the proactive approach with individuals and technologies that are there to look ahead of time and say, hey, you're trending in this direction. You may want to make some adjustments as well as in the moment setting up alerts that you are getting in case, you know, someone has left something running or, you know, you you are headed down a path that is not necessarily somewhere that you want to go. Um, but then in addition, recognizing where organizations are at and that this does represent a significant investment and a significant lift for organizations is we do have incentives and discount programs that can be taken advantage of both by the, the health system themselves and that system integrators like Nordic have access to that can further reduce the cost of implementation and cloud consumption. 
that's really great, Matt. So just just adding a couple more points to that. Uh, one of one of the important things here is that the these cloud providers, AWS, for example, provides excellent set of FinOps capabilities to really help control um, your overall spend for AWS. Uh, as you mentioned, it is. It is also because there is so much flexibility, it is also very easy to end up with some runaway processes or somebody's doing some R and D work and they end up creating some very expensive resources that are really great for experimentation, but perhaps they forgot to turn it off. Um, so these FinOp tools that comes direct, directly out of the box uh, as part of the AWS toolkits um, enables that, um, provides the governance, and in some cases also proactively uh, will shut it down if we need to, uh, right? So you don't end up um, racking up a huge bill um, for your consumption rates. We talked a little bit in the beginning about the technologies that have come online that are making health systems consider a cloud journey right now. And healthcare, let's be honest, are slow adopters for technology and have been for a long time. Why is why are we seeing this rapid uptake now? Yeah, you know, this is something that uh, thank you for asking that question. And and I'm I have a big smile on your, on my face, but you can't see that, but I'm I'm smiling because this is actually a question we're hearing more and more now. And I actually love that question because a few years ago it was why would anybody want to run EHR in the cloud? And and so I I've, I've been around for a few decades with this here and I, and I I think we're really on pace with what we've seen in other technology innovations in healthcare over that time. An example would be, say, uh, virtualization. Virtualization had a great promise that had, it was high on that hype cycle, and uh, but it had a, in healthcare specifically, it had a slow adoption. And initially, it was why the heck would anybody want to have a virtualized epic? And uh, then two organizations did it, then then four organizations did it. Four turned to eight, eight turned to sixteen, and then it was a similar question: Why aren't more organizations using virtualization? But then we take a look at, again, on-premises, you're trying to amortize off that hardware, that infrastructure that you have. And so the, the slow pace of it really came around to, hey, when, the, when it was time to do a hardware refresh, that's when you went with virtualization. And I think we're seeing a similar type trend with the journey to the cloud. When I first started, there were three organizations. A year later, it doubled to six. And, and now we're at 18 organizations that are running Epic on AWS. And, and, and so we're, we're, if you would imagine this, this hockey stick of a graph, uh, initially it was on the blade portion of it, but now it's, it's, it's going up that, uh, that, that steeper angle uh, where I think that as organizations look to do hardware refreshes, and just as, as Saran had mentioned, take a look first at alternate production and then migrate things into production. I think we're going to see this frequency of use uh, of running EHR on the cloud happen, happen more rapidly. That's fantastic. And at Nordic, we talk to our clients a lot about optimum performance. That's really a story around being able to do more with less. And what I'm hearing here is is, is exactly that. The migration to the cloud has both immediate and long-term benefits um, that are going to help health systems uh, achieve that optimum performance over time. So we've talked about this on the sort of theoretical level, but Brigitte, what are sort of the concrete 
steps a client can take who's considering a cloud journey? Yeah, absolutely. So as as soon as a client is starting to get curious about this and wants to explore the capabilities that the cloud can provide to them, uh, specifically on their EHR workloads, uh, one of the first steps is um, reaching out to sy- uh, system integrators like Nordic, uh, where we would uh, start working, collaborating with them to strategize on a plan on how to do this. Um, we did talk a lot about like Cloud is a very easy environment. A lot of things are single clicks. Everything expands very easily, uh, but also at the same time, having a good foundational structure um, and strategy on how to deploy this very powerful tool is very important. Um, So we would certainly help with that journey. Um, Another important component is to get in touch with Epic, start talking to them about your intentions of exploring the cloud as an option. Um, There's a very specific document that Epic generates for all customers once they have been requested. Uh, It's a free service. It's called a cloud specification guide uh, and a hardware sizing guide. Um, And this is uh, uniquely created for individual customers where they they see exactly where your environment is and what you would need exactly um, on the cloud platform. So on AWS, it would be very uh, specifically uh, customized for that environment, uh, talking about which resources you may need. Um, and then uh, SIs like Nordic can then help take that and then build out a uh, plan for your environment, start looking at what your annual run rates for consumption fees is going to look like, um, and build out financial plans around that, financial models around that, uh, see what kind of incentives we can get uh, added in there. And to add to that, Jerome, uh, what is most important is also having a very active collaboration with AWS, between Nordic and AWS. Uh, that ensures we not only look at what solutions are available and what is coming up when we build a platform, we have to build it for the next generation for long term. So using what Bridget was talking about from the inputs from Epic, we'll work with AWS in really working towards the migration playbook. It can be a net new installation for a new Epic instances, or it can be a migration from a data center. We'll work along on the migration playbook that spans from the assessment to migration and transition to services. And, uh, you know, Mike can certainly talk about how we have an active cadence with between Nordic and AWS. And and I'll jump in there, actually. I just wanted to quickly acknowledge that that partnership and that cadence and actually thank you all for that. Um, at, at Amazon, one of our leadership principles is customer obsession, and it is wonderful to work with an organization like yourselves who understands that this truly is all about the health systems and the patients that they serve. So really appreciate that coming through in our partnership. I know vendor management is always a concern for our, our clients. So, you know, it's nice to hear that uh, this is one of those areas where the the customer and the solution comes first. Mike, Matt, Saran, Brigitte, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure having you on the pod. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for the time. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check back for more episodes of Making Rounds wherever you listen to podcasts or on nordicglobal.com. Till next time, we'll see you in network. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. This helps others find the podcast as well.